said my life was too fucked up to be with you, but here you go to the bar tail too, and I wanna know what he has that I don't. Well, I was ready for the real thing, no more shame in this life I live, 'cause I would change for you. Hey everybody, Cable Smith. Welcome in each and every one of you into another episode of Justified Pursuit. I'm here alongside my co-host, a good friend Chisholm Cook. And Chisholm, happy uh, Happy New Year's to you and yours. Hope you all had a great Christmas. I'm a little jealous, man. I saw that you spent quite a bit of the holiday season at Deer Camp. Yeah, I... Um, that never sucks. Have, well, especially that this particular time of year in South Texas, I'm sure that... Uh, well, we know now we have some some uh, listeners in the Midwest, one of whom is going to join us. Yeah, uh, those guys are their rut's been over for over a month, so um, I'm sure there's people who are like, "What rut? What? It's December, but it is yeah. uh, peaking like right now." So yeah, because of my quarantine, which we talked about, I got to spend the first week down there, and I already had plans uh, for a mutual friend of ours to meet me down there on the 14th for three or four days of like right like you know peak rut hunting so uh-huh. basically up until two days ago i had been at uh at deer camp most of the month of december so getting work done and, and watching deer yeah i got to trapping the heck uh, out of some coyotes too doing god's work for sure uh, i got to spend the last week in a part of the world that i had never experienced and that was uh the sand hills of nebraska northern nebraska uh, flew into South Dakota, drove through the, the Badlands National Park. That was pretty awesome to see. Uh, and then you hit these Indian reservations, um, Lakota Sioux, I believe, because one of the cool landmarks was uh, the massacre at Wounded Knee, which I don't know if you read Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee um, in high school, I think is when I read it. Uh, certainly a great read, a historical context of what happened to the, the Indians in that part of the world. So I'm just, I didn't even know that that was going to be like part of my tribe. Just happened to look over like historical marker, and I look, and it's like, oh yeah, I read that book. Cool to to be here and kind of get chills um, seeing the sure. site. Um, yeah, that is cool. But uh, but that part of Nebraska is one of the most sparsely populated areas in the lower 48. And the dude, um, the outfitter's father, um, his name was uh, Kirk Bud. He would always come over in the evenings. He's, I guess he's probably 70s. They've got a 7,000-acre cattle ranch that they hunt on. This guy's a third-generation rancher. And, uh, dude, it's like the kind of guy like our grandfathers, I imagine, that when he speaks, you just listen. And yeah. just captivating. Um, and he's not. it's not like an arrogant thing. He's just like having this casual conversation. But someone that's like, oh, yeah, this, this is a guy I want to listen to. Um, and so, anyway, what – where I'm going with this is he told me this, this little story, um, that, that basically you can imagine everyone there, they're ranchers, huge swaths of land, family land, and they're pretty conservative leaning, right? They work hard. They work the land. They, they want to pay less taxes. Uh, understandable, except he said this one guy, (laughs) 
and it's funny because he's Harvard educated, like which we're going to talk about later in the show. He said this dude did a twenty three and me, and he wanted to find out if he had anything exciting in his background. It came back that he was a hundred percent Northern uh, European, and he told Kirk, he's like, I'm so disappointed, man. And Kirk's like, why? Why would you be ashamed or disappointed of just being white? It's not it's not racist to be white. Um, but I, I thought that was fascinating that this Harvard educated uh, he was actually an attorney was was really disappointed that he wasn't like didn't have some kind of uh, different diversity in his in his blood. Yeah, well, you know why, right? Because he's if he's not woke himself, which it sounds like he at least part, partly is. Oh, he's very he's, woke. Kirk he's inundated <laughs> in, in a woke world, right? The legal right. profession is infected with this crap. And so he knows that the revolution that they're attempting will redistribute power based on victim status. And so if he can't claim like Liz Warren that he's partly Native American or whatever he thought he was going to find, mm-hmm. he's just a 100% white European guy, guess where that puts him? the very bottom of the victimhood hierarchy and um that's a good bullshit aside dude all bullshit aside you know i know we're not gonna have time today but the new york times article about let the old people die because they're all white yeah from the virus um (laughs) if there's gonna be gas chambers it's gonna start with the old white guys or with white white men yeah. Um, and hey, ladies, uh, white ladies aren't too far behind. I don't know if y'all noticed, but y'all don't get a lot of love from the woke scolds either. Nope. If you're a white man who transitions to a female, you skyrocket to the top of the hierarchy of oppression. You are a victim. And you get to beat ladies up in, in combat sports and stuff. <laughs> anyway, I knew you'd enjoy that, uh, but it was eye-opening yeah. to just to to be in a, I call the part that part of Nebraska just desolately uh, beautiful because that's what it was, and it was nice to get away. No, no cell service, um, no emails weighing me down. But anyway, uh, we've got a we've got a great show for you today. We are going to visit with. Um, he didn't want to give his last name. That's understandable. His, his family owns a business, uh, but his name is Preston. He will join us from the woke city of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, which he's got a, a great story about free speech and what Great. happened to him in his personal life or lack of free speech uh yeah so we're gonna we're gonna have him on momentarily but before we do that a couple of other quick notes here chisholm i know there's a correction it seems like um i forgot her name but the the irving texas uh congresswoman that was trying to pass the uh, anti-castle doctrine or self-protection laws seems like somebody wrote that as a parody which i wasn't privy to because in reading it with what's going on in the world um it's really not that far-fetched man no it's not far-fetched far-fetched at all I, like i mean I said, canadians I, can't shoot people that come into their own homes like literally they go to jail which is mind-boggling but yeah. uh, it's out there mesa terry mesa representative yeah. texas representative terry mesa Right. I mean, when you told me my reaction, uh, I got some feedback on it from some friends that listened. They were laughing at my uh, my aneurysm. But um, I bought it right off the bat because we heard AOC basically say the same damn thing this summer when there was looting and rioting going on in New York. She's on record on television defending it as those people, you know, they're only stealing because they need to. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're hearing these things. Justified redistribution of wealth. 
That's right. And and so, you know, that, that, that statement was outrageous and egregious, but everything we're hearing from the left is outrageous and egregious. So, so yeah, I bought it. And um, so I, I guess to, to, to make it clear, this lady, Terry Mesa has submitted a bill, which will get canned in the Texas uh, house. It won't go anywhere that would to your, as you said, restrict your right to defend property with lethal force. Like your, your, I mean, and by that, I mean like your residence, your home property, your real estate, whatever it may be on it. Right. You'd only be able, basically you would f- require a duty to retreat inside your home. Uh-huh. Um, that, so, so that part's real. The part that's not real is the stuff about, uh, you know, the homeowner's got insurance anyway. And so, uh, this poor person stealing from them presumably, you know, needs the money. And so it ends up in a great equitable redistribution. That's the part that apparently was, um, a parody. Some, yeah, it was a parody. Somebody wrote some yeah. satire, uh, and it, you know, it went like wildfire and it duped us. So we're, as we always try to do when we know we've been proven or mistaken, we call our own fouls and, and try to correct the record. Yeah, um, which I'm glad you caught that because I yeah I, I thought it was awesome. <laughs> one one of the yeah. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, one other thing about it, um, and not surprising. That's the amazing thing is that it wasn't even surprising to like you bought it hook line and sinker because it wasn't. Well, yeah, I could see the left doing that. Uh, if so. it wasn't for what AOC said this summer and, and some of those other um, you know leftist politicians at a national level, I, I don't I don't I think I would have been like, what, dude? We need to double check right. that, right? Like, right. I, but like I said, it was in line with what we're hearing and, and and even even beyond that i mean this this whole uh protest loot riot movement since may <clears throat> one of their objectives and that's why we've been hammering on it is that they question the idea of property ownership because it's a marxist revolution right right and that's a fundamental tenet of marxism property ownership leads to in- inequality and inequity right so again it, it was in line with what they're spewing um just frankly out of curiosity, I, I, you know is there are there any examples where marxism actually has worked like i'm just like looking around the world like on a nationalized scale no of course not right but yet we keep trying to go down that road again it just doesn't make any sense well like here's a formula that absolutely will not work and let's let's try to jam it down our throats right so yeah the um there's two there's two people in that camp there are um people who feel they're feel they're oppressed and therefore are uh you know agitated by or you know rally they they rally to this call of equality right and the overturning of their oppressors and they're being preyed upon by the powers that be in the left who know that what marxism is is a way to take and maintain power Right. Like Governor Let's, Newsom from California. What? Right. His winery's been open the whole time, but yeah, he's shutting down Blasio everyone else's and business. Cuomo and Whitmer and, you know, yada, 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 yada. Yeah. Let's, let's go back to our good buddy Orwell and not necessarily 1984, but Animal Farm. The pigs instigated a revolution. And then at the end of the, mo- the book, they're in the house with the oppressive farm owners standing upright, acting like the bourgeoisie that they fought against. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that's that. The strings are being pulled by that group, the pigs that want to be the powerful people. They're manipulating the emotions of people from lower socioeconomic statuses, uh, you know, from uh, racial backgrounds that um, you know may or may not be suffering from from real racial oppression. Right? Yeah. Anyway, uh, so 
Moving on to the next point of contention here, Supreme Court. I think that was uh, one, one more thing. One more thing on sure, that. Sure. Other deal, we, 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 got, we got off on a tangent in episode 15 talking about it where we talked about um, the ability to defend property, you know, with uh, lethal force. I do want to clarify something. And I think we maybe probably even said we're not totally sure. In Texas, we don't have a stand your ground doctrine like they have in Florida, right? The Trayvon Martin incident was one where out in the midst of, you know, kind of the middle of an apartment complex, mm -hmm. a dude confronts a young man ends up getting his ass kicked by a kid 10 years his 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 uh 10 years younger than him uh to the point where he quote feared for his life and shot somebody and he got off because of the quote stand your ground i'd argue trayvon had the right to stand his ground against uh, zimmerman mm -hmm. and and therefore was right to be beating his ass because he was being followed by in the dark y'all bring all the hate you want that's been my opinion since day one sure my point is in texas we have a castle doctrine we do not have a stand your ground doctrine if someone enters your homestead whether that's a 10 acre tract in the middle of nowhere or, you know, uh, 5,000 square foot lot with a little home in the middle of a sub, you know, uh, an inner city neighborhood, you have the right to defend your home and your property it, within your boundaries. You don't have a duty to retreat into your home currently. Uh, Miss, uh, Miss Mesa, uh, Mesa yeah. would prefer that. Um, but we, I think we threw out there the idea of defending like, like your truck from getting stolen. You don't have the right to shoot somebody in cold blood in the Academy parking lot who hijacks your truck. Now, if you get carjacked and they stick a gun in your face, yeah, damn right. You have the right sure. to defend yourself in that situation. But you, but you ab absolutely could come out on your front porch and blow someone away, blow someone away that was trying to steal your truck. Neither one of us would do that. Right. Uh, but right, you right. could, but, but, but the, the law is right now that person's on your property. You don't yeah. have a duty to ask them what their intentions are. Sure. Um, and, and, you know, and so I gotta, I would like, I know we don't want to spend a lot of time on all this. We have the interview coming up, but I had a, a great discussion with a couple of friends of, uh, one mutual friend of ours. And then one of my best friends I grew up with, they both came hunting with me a couple weeks ago, right after we had aired that episode. And we were talking about this and, and my buddy since seventh grade is a, is a Marine. And, um, candidly, uh, much like myself, one who had, I'd say liberal sensibilities, but I think as we speak is getting red pilled, <laughs> he mm -hmm. may disagree, but, uh, he's starting to look around and realize, wait a minute, dude, this woke thing is something that I'm not down with. Right. But, you know, as a Marine, he, um, he takes the idea of, of deadly force very seriously. He, um, he doesn't necessarily think that you should have the right to kill someone who's stealing your truck from your, your yard. Uh, he was trained as an MP in the Marine Corps that, and in just general, as a Marine, uh, you're not allowed to, you know, to basically instigate violence of any sort. The violence has to be, you know, the fight has to come to the Marine and then has to be escalated by the attacker to the point where deadly force would be necessary. Right. So he kind of uh -huh. takes that mindset and as we kind of talk through it, I don't disagree with him. That's, I think, like you said, you and I's position. I wouldn't defend my truck with deadly force unless I was in it and right. I was defending my own life with deadly force. Um, but what I kind of pointed out to him, I was like, dude, you got to think about, he lives in a neighborhood near Austin, right? Um, if there was a banging around out in his front yard of this, you know, they've got in a typical subdivided, you know, uh, kind of master plan neighborhood, small yards. You can imagine a million scenarios whereby somebody could be banging around out in your front yard kids just screwing around who knows what right nobody's going to charge out and start opening fire and rightfully so right even if somebody's in your backyard most people in that situation if you're in the yard 
you're not a threat to me. You come into my house, it's a different conversation, right? And he agrees with that 100%. He's like, once they set foot inside my house, uh, it's uh, I'm going to deal with it with extreme prejudice, right? They're dead. Because mm-hmm. I got he's got two little girls and a wife in that house. But I pointed out to him, I was like, dude, but what if you lived on a couple acres towards like Dripping Springs, right? And you routinely had stuff happening out in your yard that you would have to go outside and investigate. What this lady's bill would say is if you left and went outside to investigate somebody banging around in your shed and happened upon someone who was only trying to steal some tools out of your shed, but happened to be armed there and then you therefore shoot them because now your life is threatened. Well, you were the quote aggressor for having not retreated from the sound. And you can't (laughs) expect somebody who lives in a situation like that to just hide in their house when there's shit going on on their property. And he was like, you know what, dude, you're a hundred percent right. And the problem with a bill like this is it. And the problem with laws in general, I've said before, more laws create more problems for society. You can't effectively parse out the difference, legally speaking, between my buddy who lives on a small lot in a, you know, in a master plan community and, you know, someone else who lives on a couple acres, maybe even in a trailer, um, you know, that routinely has raccoons, uh, hogs, and, you know, occasionally meth heads rummaging around in their yard, right? Like, I've had meth heads steal my generator out of my deer camper in Oklahoma. So, I mean, it, right. It happens. No, I mean, I mean, obviously that, that happens. My, my point is just that you, when you, if you're going to try to parse out what the rights are for a rural person to investigate weird noises on their property versus the rights of someone who lives in a neighborhood having to lock themselves inside because who cares what's happening in the backyard? First of all, I'd argue that's unjustifiable for the person in the neighborhood. But second of all, you're just opening a can of worms. You're having to create tens of thousands of words of law to parse out when you're in your right and when you're not. And, and then the reality is theft and burglary and trespassing are illegal. They are a threat to the people who own the property and live on the property that's being burglared, you know, burglarized, vandalized, whatever. And, you know, in Texas, we have the approach of an armed society as a polite society. And for the most part, it works. So we say, you come on someone's personal property, they've got the right to defend themselves and their property under the castle doctrine. I think it's the right approach. I think it's better than the standing ground approach. I, I, again, I, I look yeah. at the Trayvon thing and I, I think that dude Zimmerman was empowered under the stand your ground approach to approach a kid in the middle of the night who had every right to be exactly where he was. And he started an altercation that ended up him taking somebody else's life. First of all, I don't think that they should have, de- they should have defended him under the stand your ground. I don't think that was the nature of their stand your ground doctrine. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'll get off on tangent about that. So, so that, that I just wanted to throw that in there too. So right on, uh, moving on to the Supreme court, not having a spine. Yeah. So which let me about- preface that by saying just you and I, and I want to just reiterate if it is, is anyone's first time listening to the show we are, we have not now, nor have ever said, we believe that there was enough fraud to, overturn the election we don't know we just want to find out right so uh, we went through the basis of the case um there were there was one set of facts that i'm, I'm going to highlight here that i don't recall uh covering because it was further down but um if you were you know for those who listened and, and recall and if you haven't go back to, to episode 15 and, and then come back to this one but um the state of texas filed a lawsuit 17 other states over the course of that week joined in uh, on on basically texas's side arguing that they should that as a state they should have standing to challenge the way 
that uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia handled their elections. And to me, the real crux of the argument, it's one I've been raising since uh, like October, was that the Constitution says the state legislatures shall basically create the laws that run their elections. But then in each of those four states, individual politicians, in some instances, the secretary of state, in some instances, the governor or both or the attorney general, all these all these individual elected politicians and then judges, elected judges um, began because of the pandemic bypassing duly enacted legislation as required by the Constitution, the duly elected enacted legislation requirements of those uh, uh, those states for these elections, they bypassed them in order to. Uh, create mail-in, uh, you know, unsolicited mail-in uh, voting systems, right? Which Trump was banging the drum about all year. Uh, mm-hmm. In Michigan, I'm pretty sure it was Michigan, man. The Secretary of State stepped in, and this is one of the most egregious. The Secretary of State of the state of Michigan sent 27 million unsolicited ballots. It's That's every resident of Michigan was sent an unsolicited ballot. In that state unsolicited ballots aren't even one of the legal legislative mechanisms by which someone can vote. More importantly, their legis- their act, their statutes, this is either Michigan or Wisconsin. Uh, I think it's Michigan. Their mm-hmm. statutes speci- very specifically state which branches of government have the authority to, uh, for example, like put the uh, collection boxes out and what time they must be put out and where they must be put out and how they must be monitored to to assure chain of custody on the ballots that are received, right? So it has all this great detail about all these nitty gritty details about how to run the election, but more importantly, it delegated the authority to do all that to like, like the attorney general, some other department within this. No, I guess they have an elections commission to the state elections commission. So they created legislatively a state elections commission. They vested all the power to run an election within the state elections commission and specifically said, and no one else in the state has any authority over elections unless granted by this legislature. The secretary of state steps in on her, I believe it was a lady, own accord and says, I'm really worried about people not being able to show up to the polls. So I'm going to send a ballot to every single person in the state. I don't understand how something like that was allowed. That's one of the things that was in this case. And basically the state of Texas was saying these states had laws, constitutional laws as dictated to them by the constitution for running this election by various means, they circumvented those laws to allow for more of this, you know, mostly for mail-in voting. Let's even just forget about the videos of ballots being pulled out from under counters and all that other stuff, right? The the, the more sort of fraud stuff, right? My biggest problem is how do you circumvent law when the Constitution says it's the legislature's job unless the legislature had a provision that said, in case of an emergency, we delegate special powers to the Secretary of State, right? How does this person just jump in there and do whatever they want? So the first issue they had to address as a, uh, in filing a lawsuit, which we talked about, was establishing that the state of Texas itself, in filing suit, had standing to do so. That we, were, we have a legitimate claim against these four states. Long story short, if, you know, we, we pointed out, the first thing that was filed was a request that the Supreme Court take the case. It was not the actual yeah. case. And it got denied. And it got denied in a nine-to-nothing vote, not a single even, you know, none of the three appointees by Trump were willing to say we should hear this case. 
the state of Texas has failed to show uh, how they have a claim here. Uh, I was shocked, dude. It was a It was a, it was an interesting argument. I don't know that I weighed in necessarily on the merits of the standing thing. Um, I knew if it didn't go forward, it would be based on that. And, and so that's what happened. Now, I think, um, I think they had an interesting argument. Uh, but the fact that it was dismissed nine to nothing is not something that we can just uh, dismiss, right? Yeah. The, the, the way this is supposed to happen, and, and this, is, this is, you know, I've listened to some legal podcasts who have been very up in arms about uh, these fraud claims since day one. They're very biased against even further investigation of it. So I'll caveat all that, right? But they're also lawyers who I trust their legal opinion. They thought from day one, this is absurd. Texas doesn't have a leg to stand on here. Um, they even pointed out as uh, the, our attorney general filed it, but maybe like the deputy attorney general didn't sign it, nor did the governor. Uh, mm-hmm. So some of our like highest politicians stayed out of it. Um, the, tradi- the way it should be is that people in the state of Wisconsin, a group, an individual, whatever, or, or Michigan, should be bringing suit saying, we had laws here. These laws were circumvented illegally. They could make the exact same case the state of Texas was making, but it has to start in the state. And the Supreme Court's going to defer to the state Supreme Court to determine their own laws if and until it reaches the point where it's a question of the U.S. Constitution. And so it, basically they're saying they wouldn't, they wouldn't say, in fact, the, if I'm not mistaken, some of the some of the right-leaning justices on a, in like a in like a concurring opinion had a very simple statement that basically said, you know, we agree, we agree, no standing. We are not saying anything about the merits of the claim or about our willingness to take this case if brought by proper channels, right? Mm. Uh, and, and so what they're saying is it's up to the people of the state of Wisconsin to decide whether they got screwed or not. The people of Michigan, Pennsylvania, Georgia. It's not up to the state of Texas. It's yeah. their law. It's their right to interpret it. It's their right to act right, I suppose, to acquiesce to circumventing that law in this instance. But if anybody was harmed by it, it was the people of those states. I would still argue, man, that um, the con- I, I, there's a flow to their argument that made sense to me in that the Constitution says the legislature, all these changes were made in these states by something other than the legislature. Therefore, yeah. it's a U.S. constitutional question. And therefore, the idea that, you know, the state pointed out, if one state sues another state, that by default, it's called a matter of uh, original jurisdiction. It has to go straight to the Supreme Court. I, I think there was some validity to that, but I also see the flaws in it. And, um, and I know there are still court challenges going on. Uh, again, most of them being roundly rejected by uh, oftentimes Democratic judicial appointments or, of or course. Judge, elected judges. Although there are, you know, there were, uh, there have been conservative uh, uh, U.S. appellate judges who have dismissed these these cases. Um, so do we, we, we've talked about how like Amy Coney Barrett and how much we, how much value we place on the contextual mm-hmm. interpretation of the law that she provides and, um, are we disappointed or do we think that this was, they did it the right way, that they, they interpreted the letter of the law. I, I I'm going to make the case that this is for the best on a, really on a legal front at the end of our last conversation about this, you you've said, and you've said it a couple of times that you think it, that what's best for the country may just be 
that the election results stand, that we win these at least one, if not both of these Supreme uh, Senate positions in Georgia, which in, results basically in a, in a gridlock Congress and a check against uh, Kamala when she takes power yeah, um, to keep from burning down the country. Um, and I think there's uh, that's a pragmatic position from a legal standpoint. I think most of our listeners are probably aware that this, that, that, all of the judicial appointments by Donald Trump, the Supreme Court and appellate positions that he's appointed, 200 something judges, came from a list prepared by a group called the Federalist Society. The Federalist Society has been trying for a couple of decades now to recruit conservative minded, federalist minded uh, attorneys and, and promote them because uh, the left had been using since like the 50s, the judiciary branch of the US government. Uh, as a, prog- a tool for their progressive agenda, right? For basically mm-hmm. making up law that they couldn't pass through the legislature, right? Federalism, you go back to the founding of this country um, and uh, James Madison wrote, right? The Federalist Papers, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so. It's the idea that states are sovereign and have most of the authority to govern themselves and the U.S. government is there for some overriding protections, right? So the position the Supreme Court took in saying, hey, Texas, y'all ain't got no right to challenge how Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Atlanta run in their elections. It's a federalist issue. It's a state issue. That, um, while maybe disappointing, because we think there's some merit to the to the claims being made and want to see a thorough and proper vetting well, of it. at the end of the day, Texans are affected by it, so. They, they are. Right, they are. And, and I think there's a, there's a legitimate gripe there. But if you want to talk about a strict constitutional read on things, they took a really hard and fast and strict federalist interpretation of this issue. Mm. And by and large, that's better. Um, that's a better approach to uh, Supreme Court, in particular, jurisprudence than to open up the floodgates and say states can start suing each other over uh, how they like the, the, this. This lawyer made the point. What's to say that California, if they had granted a. Uh, you know, granted the case to, to move forward. What's to say a year from now, California doesn't sue the state of Texas for requiring voter ID laws and saying it suppresses minority votes, mm. right? Now, okay. I think that's a stretch uh, based on the claims. I think that could, this could have been tailored in such a way that it only addressed, like this, said, maybe the issues related to the Secretary of State circumventing legislative action, right? I, I, yeah. I think it's, I think it's a, you know, it's kind of a slippery slope argument, but I think it's more like a slippery cliff argument that maybe isn't, it could have been managed properly. Um, the Supreme Court does that all the time where their ruling says this is only applicable to this set of facts and this scenario. And it does not mean we'll hear cases that are you know, tangentially related. Um, but again, if I'm looking at it from uh, a positive look in particular and an idea of what this country is supposed to be and what our Constitution means, anytime the Supreme Court r- just like staunchly and unanimously votes in favor of states' rights, I think as conservatives, we kind of have to look at that as a win, even if it doesn't result in a political outcome that we like in that individual case. Mm-hmm. Because if they had said, you know, it, 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 I, saw, I said it's a slippery cliff, but it's not wrong if we start trending towards states being able to abridge other state authority, then we've lost the republic. It's no longer a republic. It's now just a federal democracy. Right or uh, it's a yeah, mess is what it is. Like I, I, right. I envision what you're saying. It's just like right. Everybody suing and, and, everybody, and it's and yeah. We're already in a in a political climate where 
it's hard to get a damn thing done in right. DC. This would just be, and it, uh, yeah, it would be. A disaster. And, and the beautiful here's here's the thing is we, we've 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 talked about this. The left is attacking daily the constitute the republic the republican representative uh, federalist components of our of our uh, founding, like having a senate, uh, which is you know, to balance each state's interest uh, versus the house, which is based on population, right? Why we have uh, held the Supreme court in the first place, um, why police powers are delegated specifically to the states in the constitution. They're attacking all of these fundamental aspects of our Republic, not our democracy, right? What yeah. they would prefer is a straight 51% majority at a national level gets to rule everything, a true mm -hmm. democracy. And that would be a disaster because you know what the tyranny of the majority looks like, right? Our well, just go back to creates, the, those good folks up in Northern Nebraska. Like they would have no voice whatsoever. That's right. Exactly. And so our country is structured in such a way as that they do, they have a yeah. huge voice. They get two senators, mm -hmm. right? That's a massive deal. It's enough to stop almost anything from happening potentially. Right? So what I'm getting at is with them, trying like hell to undermine the very structure of how our government is set up to protect the rights of states um, for them to now be celebrating the Supreme court's decision to then defend those states. Right. Rights kind of neuters their argument that the state should have the rights to begin with the electoral college. Another great example, electoral college is specifically designed to mitigate the impact of California and New York, where they have a disproportionate share of voters Right. It's another thing that Vox.com is out there attacking. Well, this decision is in line with protecting those institutions under the auspices of federalism itself. Mm -hmm. And I think if you if you look at it through that lens, as disappointed as you may be, uh, anybody, not you particularly, um, it was it was a conservative decision, whether conservatives want to accept that or not, uh, agree with the premise or not. Uh, it, it really was. It would have been, um, it would have created problems if the state of Texas could step in and say, we have the right to challenge how Wisconsin runs their elections. All that being said, um, I do still hope that one of these court systems in one of these states, you know, there's still a chance the Supreme Court has to hear this case before January 21st coming up through the proper channels. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, we'll see how that happens. This thing's not over yet, I guess, is my point. Um, it's, I would say, on, the, on its deathbed. It's been put on a ventilator, and we know what happens when, <laughs> when you go on ventilators. Yeah. So anyway, um, that, that's my take on it, man, is it was a okay. defense of federalism. Um, and while I think what happened in those four states, especially where, you know, certain politicians took it upon themselves to circumvent laws and they had no legal authority to do so, that seems ripe for Supreme Court review. Well, I, I would say um, that those politicians knew their, you know, the political backing in that state and possible well, 100%. Possible infractions being enforced, probably. They wouldn't have done it if they thought, oh, this is going to be political suicide. So, you know, all it, done, all it did was empower, the, you know, their party. So. Right. Yeah, well, no, and, you know, and, there's, and no, I think there's no repercussions. Right. I also think there's something, and this is maybe an argument back in favor of why Texas maybe should have been allowed to bring such a case. Um, but my, my guess is each of those states, the, 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 you know, the folks of Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and Georgia, they're just as proud as we are as Texans of their 
state and its heritage, uh, you know, and, and being, you know, citizens of those states. And so I, I would think that if we were under attack by another state for how we ran our election, um, there'd be a lot of Texans who were annoyed and pissed off by that. Yeah. So I guess what I'm getting at is even the conservatives, even those who really question some of these things, um, there's probably some pressure to defend their state. Yeah. Right. From, from attack again, especially from, from again, another state. So, um, or at least just sort of stand by and say, Hey, listen, we, we did what we had to do because it was a pandemic, whatever. So, yeah. Well, interesting stuff there. We will continue to keep tabs on the, uh, the development of, of those four states specifically. And, and we'll see if any um, citizens bring suit against their states. I guess that would be the, the next best thing. Uh, we'll put a bow on that part of the conversation. And let's, uh, let's transition into our first ever guest that we've had on Justified Pursuit. He is a listener, found us. Well, actually, we'll have Preston tell us how we found us. Uh, didn't want to give his last name. That's understandable. But joining us now from the liberal cesspool, that is Madison, Wisconsin. First of all, Preston, um, thanks for joining us. And secondly, um, how did you find out about the show? So I found out through MoFax, um, oh, cool. which I had listened to. Well, one of my buddies, as they call quote unquote, punched me in the mouth um, <laughs> from the No Agenda show. Yeah. So, and there, I know what you're talking about. Cable doesn't know about any of this, but I'm a hundred percent. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was about a couple years ago, a guy I met in a Facebook debate group. Um, that's kind of how I got into politics was kind of just in little groups on Facebook and you talk about things and then you start to learn more and more mm-hmm. about what's going on or whatever. And, you know, I don't, I'm just an average Joe. I don't know a ton, but you know, like, I can't think I got a good, you know, idea of what's going on maybe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the no agenda show, he, a guy recommended that he's like, you got to listen to the show. It's great. And so, and that's how I, and then I learned about Mo through that show and I listened to all of Mo's episodes and I especially love Mo's show because I don't know, for some reason that's always piqued the interest of, of mine is, is mm-hmm. race relations really piques my interest just to see like how it's, uh, devolved, uh, the past 10 years, whatever, you know, so it certainly has Obama did nothing but divide. I mean, he had the opportunity that no president had, in my opinion, right. He totally fumbled the ball on that. I don't remember this, this being our reality that we're living in when, when Bush was president, you know, everyone didn't hate each other and we didn't have writing and all. I mean, it just, yeah, there were certain instances, but you know, I, social media. I'm not going to blame it all on Obama. Social media certainly has been a divisive tool in right. how we got to where we are today. Uh, but yeah, Obama just man, it just he left Trump a mess. Yeah, and I I don't even I guess I wasn't even really paying attention much during you know uh, the Obama years. I still wasn't super into politics. Yeah. But, so then I heard, is it? Chisholm who listens to Mo, yeah, yep. so Chisholm yeah, listens I, to all the podcasts, <laughs> right? And and what's funny, and I'll just say this: like, maybe we can talk about reparations more. But the thing is, that was such a—it seemed like such a crazy idea 
mm-hmm. because I think it comes at guys like us, like it's a, it's an emotional appeal. Like, Hey, we need you to pay for us or it's yeah. your fault. And it's like, if, 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 if you look at it more like uh, the state is what owes these people, That's right. uh, you know, it makes a lot of sense. So he completely flipped my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, my Mo mind did or, or our show did. Uh, Mo did. Right. Yeah. And right. So, Wait, same, same here. Yeah. So then I listened to him talk to you about it and I was like, Oh, this is great. You know, like I'm reliving this whole sequence again. And so I was like, I got to contact these guys and just say hi, especially since you got a new show and like whatever I can do to help, you know? Yeah. Well, we appreciate it. And you have an interesting story. Um, when you yeah. reached out and we kind of want to get more into having, um, listeners, share their experiences uh so you'll be the first one to do that but you had an altercation at a was it like your favorite wing spot yeah i mean i so the story is kind of absurd um i'll i'll do you want me to just get right into it yeah just just go ahead cool so there's there's a bar that i've been going to for years in a local town that's nearby we moved out of that town like a little while ago it was growing really fast and so i was on my way home from work one night and i my wife loves these chicken wings they have really good wings it's a dive bar you know this Uh is a like my guess is the clientele is probably 75 percent working class you know trump supporters whatever so right um, I'm not, obviously I'm not so sure about the people who work there now, but, <laughs> <laughs> and so I will, you know, I will preface this by saying like, I, I will, I didn't act, uh, the best I could have acted either in the situation. Um, but besides that fact, you know, looking back on it, um, Hey, at least you're owning up to that fact, you know? Right. And that's what I want to, and, and there's certain parts of this that, you know, I think it's pretty obvious what happened now that I look back at it, but you'll understand when I get more into it. So basically I said, you want some wings? I'll get some wings on. I'm driving right by. Sure. You know, so I stop in, order a beer, order some wings to go. This bartender's got to be 25 years old, maybe 30 max. Um, You know, she was nice at first. So I'm sitting at the corner of the bar. It's pretty busy. What what kind of beer do working class folks up in that part of the world drink? (laughs) Uh, well, I drink Fantasy Factory. It's uh-huh. a uh, that sounds like an IPA or something. It is. It's an IPA. <laughs> we got a we got a local. We got a lot of good local breweries. Okay. So I like. I IPAs. usually will drink, you know, anything local from stouts, porters, uh, you know, IPAs, ambers. Mm-hmm. I like it all. But so, you guys, you guys have a uh, a real institution up there in Wisconsin, Line and Kugel, right? Yep. It's like yep. a Miller, an OG craft. Is it Miller now? Well, Miller bought Lineys, right? And then Miller got bought out, I think now. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, originally it was like a, it was kind of like a craft brew almost before craft brews were sure what they are today. Re- regional, anyway. It's really yep. good. I like Lining. Or we have New Glarus Spotted Cow. People, I used to have my cousins from Michigan like load up their trunk with that stuff <laughs> to take it back. Uh-huh. Um, and now Michigan's got a ton of great breweries. Like I love Founders. So uh-huh. oh yeah, I've had yeah, Founders. Founders is good stuff. Yep. Yeah, I got some breakfast stout in the nice. fridge for later. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my favorites. Yeah. Well, anyway, sorry hey, to, to derail no, there. It's all good, man. We like beer. Yeah, I I like beer too. <laughs> so um, yeah, I was sitting at the corner of the bar, and I was about 
maybe like four feet away from these two younger guys, right? One's, you know, got a beard and the other guys just, I don't know, they look kind of like maybe college age, you know, and I hear them talking about what sounds like the riots. And we had a lot of um, rioting in Madison. Um, uh, I wouldn't say a ton, but we had, we had, you know, I think at least 50 businesses were vandalized and stuff. And um, I had, I hadn't been downtown since early summer. I had a job working downtown right when all of it started Mm. uh, right after the Floyd uh, thing happened. So I kind of was out of downtown working down there before it got bad. Um, and I hadn't been down there in a while and some friends wanted to take my wife out for her birthday and go to a nice restaurant down there. And keep in mind, I grew up in this town. Like I, you know, I love it. It is really a cool town. I mean, it is very woke now, but I mean, 20 years ago, it was the funnest place, um, for everybody, very diverse and a fun, normal, diverse, if you know what I mean. So let me ask you, is there what what university is there is that is that a root of the the issue like we see it like austin yeah, Texas, university of example. wisconsin man the badgers okay. it's hard to say i never went to the university i had a lot of friends go to university of wisconsin but i've never spent time in it i've only spent time around it um yeah i, I mean it could i think be that. i think it's a big contributing factor man i mean if you look around right. the country when you have major uh, academic institutions like a University of Wisconsin, UT here in Austin, Texas, you end up with a academic environment and academic culture, right? right? And it becomes this sort of just self-perpetuating thing. That, that's my take on it, man. I agree um, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Basically, when I got downtown, I, I was almost in tears. I mean, it just, I've, you know, I've worked down there uh, since high school. I've, uh, I used to, um, sell wine and liquor. So I'd help a lot of restaurants open up. And, um, so yeah, I just seeing everything boarded up and graffiti and it just looks like a third world country now. Like it was just so depressing. Like I didn't even want to eat after that. I was like, man, you know, and I know like a lot of people would be like, Whoa, that's just your, you know, your privilege or whatever that, you know, it's like, what are you talking about? I mean, what does that have anything to do with the fact that the whole place is trash now? I mean, it's two separate things to me. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was kind of heavy on my mind. And that was a couple days before. So when I heard these two younger guys talking, I was like, hey, are you talking about downtown? You know, and because I've become like such a political nerd and interested, like I couldn't help but get some boots on the ground, like, you know, uh, experience from these guys or just a little bit of info. So. I kind of said to him, you know, I was like, Hey, I'm, I'm kind of, you know, I kind of thought, well, if they're, they live downtown, they're probably both pretty liberal. So it's so funny nowadays. I I find myself constantly prefacing everything I say with like, I'm kind of liberal, you know, (laughs) to like shield myself a bit from an Uh attack that is likely going to come. And I, and I, I think I am kind of liberal and mostly in the classic sense, you know? Right. Um, so I kind of said to him, I said, Hey guys, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty liberal, but what can you tell, are you talking about downtown? And they're like, yeah, yeah. You know? And I'm, I'm like, tell me, tell me more, you know? And so the one guy says, the one guy says, I'm pretty liberal. The guy who was talking about it and the other guy's got a beard, whatever. He, he turns to me and goes, great reset. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. 
So we got two guys who are completely the opposite end of the spectrum and they're both hanging out and having a beer and they're fine, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, cool. So I asked him what happened to the riots. He said that he's these guys in black came up and just, it was, he said it was like almost too organized. Um, so it, it matches a lot of the stories that we've heard that it's like, there's this organized uh, faction that gets into these protests or something yeah. and then starts causing uh, vandalism and that kind of gets everybody causing vandalism mm -hmm. and so he said that it seemed really organized these guys in black and then he, he started breaking stuff and, and, the, and the guy went to the, the guy who was telling me this said that he told them to stop and he's like stop stop man I live here don't do that you know like they were all doing their protesting thing and that was it and then this guy started breaking stuff well then he, he said that he turned to him and brandished a knife wow. a giant knife yeah. And so he backed off and he's like, whoa, whoa, you know, like, holy cow. Do you guys understand so far what, what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this, yeah. of course, the side of uh, peace and acceptance would be the first one to take out a knife and stick it in your face. Right. And, the, and I think one of the questions we all have, too, is like, you know, we know there's a lot of people that gathered for the protests. We know almost everybody in the country thought what happened to Floyd was awful and that, mm -hmm. you know, we we're all on the same page that like, let's see some justice, you know, let's see this cop, you know, explain what the hell happened or for, for one, I'd like to know, I wish I, I want to know what the heck that guy has to say, yeah. but we will never hear from him probably. But mm -hmm. so I think the weird part is, is like, are, were there like organized groups that were installed in these protests to like start this stuff? I think that's an interesting question. And I don't know if we're ever going to find out for real, or it's just people that were angry in the protests that started it, you know, like how organized was it? That's kind of, well, I, I think there there's truth to both of those schools of thought. Um, certainly Probably. you get someone that's angry and all fired up and, you know, it's like a pack mentality. It's contagious. And, then, right. you know, like you said, these instigators, whether it's uh, meticulously planned out or if it's just someone that is so incensed, um, it's contagious. Right. Either way, you know, the outcome is the same. Right. Right. Yeah. Mob mentality, man. It, mm -hmm. it, you, we've seen it. We've seen it, you know, the past few years. Um, so anyhow, moving on, he uh, basically was telling me about this and, and, you know, that was about it for the riots. And then I kind of, it was just after the election and uh, we hadn't really, I think we were, I don't know, four days after the election. And I kind of, kind of joked around. I said, so you guys really think Biden got that many votes kind of joking, you know? And uh, they were like, well, you know, I don't know. And we we're, I'm like, maybe, maybe he did, you know? And I mean, the, the point was, this is kind of like a, so this conversation unraveled real naturally. It was really lighthearted. We we're kind of joking and laughing. Like we're not, it's not like we're starting to argue or something. Yeah. You no, know? You're just there right. having a beer and, and a little chit chat. And respecting yeah. the fact that you each may have differences of view and opinion, right? I mean, it just sounds like reasonable people talking it out. Yeah. And it was refreshing to hear two younger guys that are in that uh, social environment, like you were talking about down downtown, very liberal Madison, and that we're getting along and have, enjoying a beer. And, and so, so this is where it kind of went sideways. So um, 
yeah, it was maybe a few more comments that were political, but nothing charged. I mean, it's not like I was in, I mean, I was pretty loud. I'm kind of a loud talker. So, you know, I got that going against me, but I mean, it was a loud bar with the music on and I was socially distanced from them. Good voice for radio or podcasting. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I love to talk. So (laughs) you'll find that out about me. (laughs) I've wanted to, I've been thinking about, you know, doing a podcast, but I'm, I don't know. It's an idea, but I heard your guys is I'm like, well, you guys are doing it. So (laughs) yeah, absolutely. So then all of a sudden this bartender comes up and puts her arms up in the air and goes, this conversation is over. And was really like me and these two guys are like, we looked behind us, you know, we were like, are what (laughs) are you talking to us? Like, what are you talking about? You know? And so some pretty much that's how the first were there other people around you that had like taken notice of the conversation that said something to her? I know there were two people who were sitting across the bar Uh and then two guys left. Two guys were sitting next to me when I walked in to my left and I was on the corner of the bar and the two guys I was talking to were on my right and there wasn't really any bar stools. Like there could have been like two more bar stools between me and the guys I was talking to. Yeah. And so I, I saw two people from across the bar that I think they came and sat next to me, but I was co- like completely turned away from them. Like I wasn't, you know, the jukebox and TVs right there. I mean, yeah. I'm sure they probably could have heard me, but I wasn't talking to them. And you're at the bar. Right. I mean, I don't. And I, I think it's, I think for, for us maybe, or, or me, it's like, it's normal for me to like talk about this stuff. Like I don't get, I like talking about it. Like I, I don't mm-hmm. Dude, if you can't have a free conversation in a public place in America, right. this is no longer a free society. That's all there right. is to it. Anybody who was right. offended had room to go somewhere else. Right. Like, and yeah. there's just there's just no uh, whether she took it upon herself, the bartender, whether someone, another patron of the bar complained. It is a perfect example of of, uh, you know, this this snowflake. Right this woke snowflake BS whereby if you're not allowed to speak something that might fall offend, you know, fall, find offense in someone's ears. I, we right. talked about it on the show before. No one has the right not to be offended. Exactly. You have options to get away from a conversation. So right. sorry, man. It, yeah. It, they're just, they're, I don't know. There's no excuse for, you know, you've kind of briefed us on this, where it goes yeah. from here for come, her coming in and interrupting y'all and telling you this conversation is over. A conversation right. she wasn't a party to it's 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 i mean we we thought it was just kind of a joke or something so we kind of kept talking yeah you know and so we kept talking a bit about what we were talking about and then all of a sudden she yells from across the bar and this is not a big bar i mean the bar seats like maybe 15 people max um mm-hmm. so she yells at me across the bar and it's like dude you're an adult what don't you understand about no effing politics and religion at the bar and that's when I kind of like, I kind of snapped <laughs> Yeah. in my head. I kind of snapped like, this is the exact problem we have. I feel in our society that we're, we're just, you know, I, I'm all for safe spaces, right? Like if you want to have your safe space, like right now we got a safe space to have a chat. Mm-hmm. Fine. If you want to have a safe space and make a safe space for you and your friends or whatever, cool. But you, you can't just turn the entire world into your safe space. Right. That's, right. Right. You know, you know I think to your that's point, where dude, it's to, going. To your point, if they had a sign outside that said, no talking of politics and religion in this bar, 
fine, dude. Then you're at least letting everybody know what you're about. And, you know, to your point, you've created a a safe space for those who want to come in there and not have to hear things that offend them. But a bar is a, they have been for hundreds and hundreds of years across the entire planet, a place for people to get together and talk about specifically those two things, right? politics of the day and their beliefs and what's going on in life, man. So it is, yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just inexcusable. And on top of that, you guys, who is it who continually seems to make everything political, right? right? So it seems like, it seems like a certain side of our society is, is almost taking everything and making it political and then on top of that, they're saying, yeah, but you can't talk about politics. Oh, well, it's no, like, yeah. and, and, and culture, and, you're, you know, and then and now you're could, a rate in her eyes, yeah. you're some white supremacist racist because you supported Trump. Right. Which, right. you know, or had a problem with people trying to burn down downtown of his <laughs> right, hometown. Right. Like, I don't, I mean, Preston hasn't mentioned supporting Trump specifically. All he said is they were talking about people burning shit. Right. Mm-hmm. She and had they a problem with the, the fact that they weren't right. Yeah. They were talking about it first. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. And I was like, you know, there's nothing going on on my social media on my phone. And I overheard it. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta hear more about this. Like, well, this and is- that's the beauty of, of a bar. It's like um yeah. Chisholm Chisholm travels all the time. He's in airports frequently. I don't know how much time he sits at a bar. I mean, the first thing I do when I go to an airport, and I travel some, is I go pull up a stool at a bar and the conversations with total strangers are you know it, it offers different perspective than what you and your your close group of friends uh the worldview that you might have and so i always enjoy those moments yeah yeah it's it, it's a free space it's not a safe space it's a free space to talk about whatever you want to talk about with the random person that's sitting there in that time and space with you right which is awesome yeah. And it's not, I could understand like if I'm walking in there and I'm sitting next to two Latinos and I'm screaming like F immigration or something or something really coarse, awful like that. Like, sure. Okay. Then kick me out. Right. You're wearing a Confederate flag t-shirt. Right. Like, <laughs> I mean, this is just, I'm, I'm in my painting clothes. Like I'm, I'm just grabbing a beer, like, yeah. you know, and, and again, like I, I talk kind of loud, the music's up, the guys are far away from me, you know? So I'm, I didn't, you know, maybe I should have just slid over next to him. Right. I'm always going back to this night and being like, man, I, and, and this, it's not like this is some traumatic thing that I was like a victim of or anything. And, and I want this bar closed down. Like I don't, but it, yeah. it just, it's a, it's a weird story. And, you know, I've, I've basically just told you guys besides my close friends, um, what happened, um, so far. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, you know man, uh, to me, what you just said, you're clearly a, a thoughtful and reflective guy, right? And so you're looking back at this interaction thinking, maybe I was at fault. Woke people, like the bartender, I assume. <laughs> That's We'll get to that. They never, ever take that perspective, man. They believe sincerely that they are righteous and right, period. And anybody who challenges them is an evil, racist bastard so you know there's no doubt in my mind that this bartender hasn't thought for a second about what she maybe could have done differently or you know whether it was appropriate for her to interrupt some patrons having a casual conversation like it, it, it is infuriating to me that they stand on this high ground 
and you know cast judgment and never take a second to reflect i was listening to this podcast a while back now and um there was this uh she was a harvard professor but sure. she was uh challenging she if i if i recall correctly it was this this art this thing i was listening to it was a historian i think we talked about it gable on the mm -hmm. show once but a harvard professor who's a who's a, a history professor and she was challenging the new york times 1619 project bs where they claim that right. you know, america was founded when the first slave ship came here right <clears throat> and um which they've basically like walked back from completely it was all bs and it, so so my point is this lady was challenging all that right but at the same time she was she was clearly against um silent silencing people's speech you know all, all the things that we're talking about yet yet right. she's still kind of in that woke world being a harvard prof right so there was a moment where her and the host of the show were talking about um, how to sort of deal with people who uh, you disagree with, you know, fundamentally, she basically said, like, we all have like that uncle who's done a bunch of bad things, right? But mm -hmm. we still love them. And they're still part of our family. And I wanted to be able to reach her at that moment and say, we've all done bad things, right? It's not just like we're really she, she spoke of it as though she's part of this class that right. has never done anything wrong and has everything sorted out. And that, even though, like I agreed with 95% of everything else she said, that right there was to me like the, the, the sort of linchpin to that whole ideal ideology and, and why right. our communication is broken down so badly. She just speaks as if we all have people in our lives that do bad things, not all like, have sinned know, and fall short. That's of the right. God. We mm -hmm. all, we all make mistakes, have made mistakes, and should be reflective enough to look at them, own them, and try to uh, do better next time. And, you know, but getting back to your story, like, I appreciate the fact that you look at life that way. Nothing you've relayed to us so far, and I'll, you know, hey, it's just your side of the story, but nothing you've relayed to us so far, in my opinion, is anything that you should have to really apologize for. Now, you can get into the right. reaction you had, but I'd have been pissed too, man. Pissed enough I to was. probably just walk the F out of the bar if somebody had told me that I wasn't allowed to have a conversation. I really should have just turned around and walked out, but I yeah. kind of so damn those chicken wings are good and mama yeah. wants them. <laughs> Gotta take care of the wife, man. That's right. Gotta take care of the wife. Um, so yeah, it was at that point. I'll get back to um the the sequence. So yeah, she yelled at me across the bar like that. And that was very embarrassing kind of because like you're getting nobody, reprimanded by a stranger. Yeah. And somebody who's younger than me and I'm not an ageist at all, but it's like, where does this person even like, I could say, Hey, we're not talking about politics. We're talking about culture. We're talking about yeah. current events. Current events. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. You know, but so that's when I said, I kind of stood up and I said, you know, this is the freaking problem here what you're doing, that's the problem. I'm like, the problem that we can't, I'm like, this is America and we can't even have a conversation, you know? And, and so I kind of, I think at that point, the wings came up um, and I'm kind of <laughs> questioning like what kind of sauce got on them at that point, <laughs> <laughs> but whatever. Um, she gave me the wings and then asked for the money. I paid her the money. She grabs what's left of my beer, which is like, I don't know, it wasn't completely gone. I mean, it was, there was a third left, I would say, you know, uh -huh. um, and dumped it out and was like, get the F out. And I'm like, you didn't just charge me for that. Did you? 
oh yeah yeah she did and i'm like really i'm like you are you kidding me right now you just dump out half my beer and you're gonna kick me out and charge me for it i said i'll get out when you pay me the money back for that beer you know and that's where i was kind of trying to take my stand you know and so she i kept asking her to just pay me the money back you know i'm like i'll leave if you give me the money back for the beer that i never got to finish i think that's a fair deal and i'll walk right out you know nope wouldn't do it standing her ground she even got some guy out the back some cook to bounce me out or whatever and i listen i've been a bar manager i've been in the restaurant industry for 15 years uh i mean straight i was out of high school I know what rights a bartender has. They can kick me out for anything. That's fine. I get it. And I did say, I said, you should probably have a sign on the wall if this is such a big mm-hmm. deal in this bar. You know? Oh, yeah. one point, one point I missed, I skipped over. So when she was kind of interrupting us or interrupting us the second time and telling us not to talk about it, the more liberal guy that, that was telling the story to me, the first guy who was talking about being in the riot, he kind of looked at me, you know, and was like, hey, hey, sh- maybe we should just not talk about maybe. And that's what triggered me, like was like this, this bending the knee type yeah. thing, you know, yeah. the, the constant like, you know what I mean? Like I yeah. could tell he was just like, oh, we better not, you know, we yeah, better he not wanna, offend he's, her. We, he's been brainwashed into thinking he shouldn't offend her. Right, right. right. And that's when I turned to her and I said, no. And I'm like, I'm going to. Like, if I'm going to do anything of this situation, I might look like a total idiot to everybody else in the bar who's not paying attention. But I want to show these two younger guys that, man, this is what you got to do to this stuff. You can't just, and, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, was, I was trying to make a point for them and stand up for them. It was kind of about them yeah. at that point. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah. man. Yes. And dude, we, we, this is something since you've listened to our shows, you've heard us touch on just the, the need for men to stand up and lead across the board on all topics in this country right now, man, we have been, uh, we are being systematically neutered by the culture that is anti-masculinity, anti-manhood in general. Right. And look at Biden's, uh, his appointments, all females, all minorities. And that's great. Right. I'm, a lot of times they're not the most qualified person for the job. In fact, they they have right. no qualifications. And so it's just, you know, pandering to his constituents saying, hey, look, look at look at this. Look at all of this diversity we have in our cabinet. Well, is diversity a good thing if they can't do the job? I would right. say it's probably not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, we've talked about that, but, but, but on this specific thing, too, like you I think you were right to feel. Uh, not only to stand up for yourself and stand up for the idea of having a free conversation, but to, to feel like you were modeling to these younger guys, like we don't have to tolerate this crap. We can yeah. agree to disagree and have a civil conversation about it and not have a woke, you know, leftist uh, bartender come in and kick us out over it when, you know, you have no reason to believe you were driving anybody away from that bar or, or, or anything like that. Um, that's a, that's a, uh, to me, that's an important thing that every every man and woman did. It doesn't really matter, but we we all have to it. The same the same like uh, sensibilities that cause you to look at your behavior in this situation and think, did I mess up? Did I do something wrong? Um, mm-hmm. That that leads to people wanting to 
just comply. That's what I'm trying to get at. Right. Right. Rather than rock the boat and make a scene, we just comply. And this was going on pre 2020, but I don't want to get us on a tangent about COVID stuff. The compliance demands being placed on everybody on everything from how you're allowed to talk to, you know, how you're, what you're allowed to wear in public is it's a, it's a major problem to me. And if we're not willing to take a stand against it, those that disagree with it vehemently, then you're just going to be shepherded right down, you know, this road to this woke revolution, right? I mean, it, people just abiding to keep from rocking the boat is what leads to something like the rise of real fascism, like what was seen in the night, you know, the 20th century, the, totally. the rise of the Nazis in Germany. There were people who undeniably were against what those regimes were trying to enforce, but they were afraid to just say it and they just went along. Right. And, right. And, and, right. They're, you know, they're the people who just shut their mouth and loaded up people on the trains. Right. That's right. it's obviously it's not like that yet, but I mean, it's, it's starkingly getting, I don't know. It's getting creepy. Just eerie. It's getting totally creepy. dude. What yeah. really piqued my interest about your story was that, coming from someone who's been censored on social media i, I mean that yep. that's the norm now they they censor um everything from uh the kenosha shooting if you were supporting i forget the young man's name but if you were kyle. supporting him yeah, yeah kyle rittenhouse uh if you support him you're either they, they're going to ban you or they're going to delete your post we've right. seen it across the board on facebook twitter uh you can't post pro second amendment stuff very much on instagram um, right. so so that i expect it doesn't make it right what i don't expect is for free conversation to now be a thing that uh isn't is isn't permissible um, right that's 100%. that's a that's a new low um, yeah and i want to tell you guys something about that incident too that a lot of people in the country don't realize there were invites to that riot invites to a riot circulating on social media before so this was a planned riot. Mm-hmm. Like, That's the Kenosha, the Kenosha riots after the... Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I saw this and I, I should have I saved one of the invites, but they were floating around and it was like, I'm, I'm almost positive it said, I, I'm not sure it specifically said riot on it, but like th- this was a thing, was for people to come and cause trouble. Yeah. And there were invites for this. So I just want to lay that out there for all the people who don't realize that I could see these things locally being in Wisconsin. Yep. I could see them floating around on, on the internet. So well, or on Facebook or whatever. So, well, just it, decide they now. know that there's no repercussions. You can do all right. these things. You can get arrested. And then the DA just dismisses all the charges. We've seen that across the board. I don't know of anyone in any city that actually had charges stick uh, for, for rioting or looting. Right. Right. It's absurd. And 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 this and the the same thing you hear about Rittenhouse is oh he shouldn't have been there he shouldn't have been there right. well maybe he shouldn't have been but he sure as hell had a lot more right to be there being he worked in that town than these people coming from out of town invited to a riot right so you know it's just it's it's an awful situation what happened I followed it very closely um hope hopefully he'll get you know. I, I hope he gets off, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, the, the message behind the message behind what you just said is 
we support uh, and find it justified that people show up and burn stuff down and anybody who stands against it is on the wrong side. Right. And I, right. I, I mean, if that's not, if that's not an appalling fallacy on its face to every person who hears it, right. I mean, it, 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 I, it, I don't know if it's, it's obviously not. So it is a problem. I, yeah. The Dude, media I mean, didn't uh, cover it. There's a, there's an entire block burnt down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and in the media, you know, hardly covered it all they covered was was mostly peaceful protests yeah yeah the mostly, mostly peaceful. peaceful protests yeah everywhere it's, i look it's, it's like two plus two equals five it's 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 it yep. used to be not a daily thing but i mean every day i'm like oh yeah that's uh, uh up is down you know i mean it's just and it's happening more and more often and the sheep are eating it up and believing it yeah so, and i guys i used to think like you know when like I said, I was a progressive or when I got into politics and didn't know anything, I was taught the progressive agenda mm -hmm. and that that was the right agenda. And, and it does make sense on the face. You're like, Oh, hierarchy, you know, yeah. Rich, you know, people should pay more in taxes, whatever, like on its face, it does make kind of sense. But I took those ideas to debate groups in, you know, on Facebook and, and, and started debating with them and I got crushed crushed by facts I mean, over feelings well right because when you when you break it all down um you know it's a lot more complicated than that you know Dude. i think you know there's a lot of things that i think in the, in the basic level the left and the right really do want the same thing sorry my dog's barking i, I what, what you said about um you know taking your sort of progressive ideas into these uh these sort of chat forums discussion groups right. and that you, you called it getting uh crushed or whatever the reason the left doesn't want a conversation to be had like y'all were having at that bar is for that exact reason man is their ideas right. don't stand up to scrutiny they don't stand up to reality they don't stand up to facts and that's why they right. consider it dangerous hate speech on college campuses and ban guys like ben shapiro from coming in and just pointing out the fallacies and all this bs man he, right you see it all the time when they're allowed to talk they you know the, the people they're confronting and, and arguing with like uh the the change my mind stuff that steven crowder does when he goes to college right. campuses he twists these kids into knots and he has them literally walking away thinking you could see them getting red pilled right it may, may take two yeah. years for them to finally get through it but they're going to have a moment in time where they start to realize everything i've thought is based on like cable said emotion none of it's based on right. reality that doesn't mean there's not a problem that needs to be solved he and i say this all the time dude the left points out inequity the neck left points out major problems in society and mm -hmm. that's important their right. ideas on how to fix them are garbage i and feel like i agree coordination of the right and, and the centrists of this country to come up with the right plan but they don't they they're just they're furious they need change now right. progress cannot happen fast enough and you know therefore you got to burn it all down problem is what are you going to replace it with Right. What's your better system? I, Marxism? I mean, look at because we like, see how that turns out. Look at just right. politically. Look at what you said. They want it now, autism, and that just sparked my in my mind. Green New Deal. Like yeah, you can't just exactly. do. You can't just become green, self sufficient on solar overnight. But they think you no. can, and they're they're willing to like just destroy the economy. Well, and without drilling oil gas wells either. You yeah. know, cheap fuel is what is what are helping people in poverty the most. I mean. Yeah. 
you can't just expect like these people who make like twenty thousand dollars a year to throw solar panels on their house. I mean, we know that. Yeah. Right. And you can't expect them to quote, learn to code, which is what the right. Silicon Valley dickheads are trying to tell them. Oh, right. your job's being taken away by automation. Learn to code. Not everybody knows how to code. That's the other thing, dude, is this fallacy that they don't understand that not everybody has the same intellectual capacity, the same mathematics capacity, the same right. memory capacity. Right. And that's not to that's say that your are yeah, right. Exactly. And that's not to say your average sort of you know labor worker doesn't have certain gifts and talents, dude. I know people who can tear apart any piece of equipment you've ever seen, put it back together and make it run. They might not be able to read a book cover to cover and tell you what it said. But then you have some, you know, dickwad professor who can cite to, you know, Aristotle, but would not be able to fix a light fixture in their house. Right. Right. Yeah everybody has talents they should be able to apply those talents to you know i'm getting off on a tangent anyway what's all right i mean that's what makes capitalism work so right Right. yeah and they're all just like we need equality learn to code yeah (laughs) yeah it's it's just getting to the point like i i really want all the ideas out there on the table because i as i said i'm an average joe so I, you know, I know very little about some of this more complex stuff, but that's part of why I want the conversation to happen because right. I want the smarter people to duke it out with the other smart people and figure it out. I mean, yeah. I want all those conversations on the table. I mean, we don't even see debates anymore, you know? Yeah. It's like we saw three just travesties of uh, debates yeah. recently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, well, Preston, is, is excuse me. Is there anything else that you'd like to add about or about that experience? Is, oh yeah, go, that's only half the story. Would you like to go back to that bar? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going back to the bar. Uh-huh. Um. So yeah, that's basically how that ended. I knew that I wasn't going to win that battle. I knew I wasn't get the going to get the money for my beer back, and I was just, you know, I was kind of throwing a hissy fit, whatever. And I, I knew I wasn't going to get into a brawl with this guy uh, to try and stay. You know, I wanted to yeah. leave anyhow at that point. So I walked out. And even the bouncer, like the quote unquote bouncer, the cook or whatever he was, was like still like shit talking, you know, which is just not what you do as a bouncer. You don't try and amp up everything, yeah. you know. Yeah. And I just ignored it and left or whatever. So I text my wife on the way home. And I was like, you won't believe what just happened. Or I called her. I'm like, I just got kicked out of a bar for talking politics, you know? And she's like, are you kidding me? And so speaking of censorship, I was on another 30 day for whatever they Facebook does now. I'm almost done using it completely because they just ban you for stuff over and over again. It was something really stupid. So I didn't have my account open at the time. So my wife posts about it. And within about an hour of posting, there was another bartender from that town that we had known for years who knew the bartender that was working. So she messaged the bartender who had kicked me out and said, what happened? So she messaged her back like, oh, I told him to stop talking about politics three times. And he threw a hissy fit when I dumped his beer out or the last swig of his beer out or something like that that you know and it was like well it didn't quite go like that you know yeah i don't know that sounds pretty egregious like that's that's well she just admitted it too yeah i mean she just openly admitted that she's kicking people out for talking politics right yeah Mm -hmm. so it's like that right there you know i mean 
I can understand again, like being a little conscientious of trying not to offend people. I think we all try to do that. Right. I mean, we try not to piss people off. Um, but at a certain point, those conversations got to happen. Um, and like I said, I might've been a little loud, but she could have came up and said, Hey, you know what? We've had three bar fights start over politics the last week. We don't want another one. Can you just talk about something else? Or could you keep your voice down? Like, could have been really nice about it, you know, and just said, hey, you know, like, we really discourage, like, with everything that's going on, we really discourage this conversation in our bar because we've just, you know, a lot of people have been getting pissed off and, and whatever, anything just besides, like, no just shut you up know? you're not allowed to say that yeah no yeah. I, I agree with you 100 slave <laughs> right exactly shut up. <laughs> any any context any explanation any reasonable approach and we wouldn't probably be sitting here talking right so right right yeah. so then when i got home uh you know it was like a 25 minute drive or so i got home and then yeah she, my wife had made the post a lot of people were you know going like we didn't name the bartender we weren't attacking the bartender we were making a claim about the establishment that this establishment had kicked me out right right so it was a fair you know this is like writing a bad review like in my i've gotten kicked out of bars before but not for that reason yeah <laughs> me, too, me too right and 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 I'm, I'm generally not much of a troublemaker um at least I don't think so. This is um, when we were younger, Preston. Yep, yep, me too. I mean, but yeah, it just, it was so, I don't know. It, it was, like I said, it was such a lighthearted conversation. Like I could, I could see if we were starting to argue with each other, you know, mm -hmm. and it was getting heated. Um, I could see like putting a quash on that conversation as a bartender. I think that's probably a good move as a bartender to do. Um, but I started, I could really tell that, you know, you know, if you've been online or you've, talk to some of these social justice types um there's a certain smell in the air about the way they act the what they say and i i was picking up on that right from her and i felt targeted by her you know mm -hmm. um so then as, so as this as my wife had this post up about reviewing or what happened the bartender that we were both mutually friends with on facebook had put the screenshot of the other bartender up all right. Oh, wow. And so at that point, I'm like, oh, that's not what happened. Let me write what happened. And I'll just explain something about our situation. Um, well, almost a lot of our situation is we don't want the controversy, right? We don't want the controversy brought to our workplace. We don't want. Uh, and, and so that's basically my wife was kind of like, look, I don't want to, I don't want to du duke this out online. This is just, yeah. you know, you use your own profile for it. And she, you know, I rarely post about politics anymore just because we have businesses to run. Um, and it just, you can never write something on a social media that doesn't get warped and taken the wrong way. Um, and so we were like, you know what, let's just, let's not fight this battle. Let's just cut the post forget about it. Right. Let's get rid of the post. Forget about it. So okay. we didn't even respond. Which to you it. shouldn't have to do. That's another, that's sad, but right. It needs to be pointed out, but that is, you know, that's the reality. But it's okay. also my wife's profile, right? you know, and she has a business to run sure. and she doesn't want to get dragged for something that happened to me. And so I was like, that's fair. I should, I shouldn't have even had you post about it to begin with. And so we just deleted the post. Right. 
So then the bartender, all right, that was working that night, posted screenshots of my wife's post and her other friend bartender did as well. So now they're literally on Facebook bragging about kicking me out of a bar over politics, you know? And of course their followers are like, oh yeah, you know, you don't talk about politics in the bar. That's the number one rule, you know? And it's like, oh my God, you know? So this is now completely, it completely looks like I'm just totally guilty, you know, because I didn't respond. Um, which I, I kind of figured. No, man. I, no, 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 no. This is the problem with fighting the left, man, is, is they just want scalps. Yeah. And you're not going to convince them otherwise, man. So you could have gone round and round for three freaking days. Like my wife got herself dragged into this summer. Right. On Facebook. Um, you wouldn't have convinced anybody. Right. Um, the people who look at what this lady did and disagree with it uh, would have your back but they would have had your back probably anyway. Right. I don't think, I don't think any level of detail would have changed anybody's minds, man. They want to scalp. They want to parade yep. it around. Um, she got to do that. I think you personally took the high road uh, and proved to be the bigger person by not just feeling the need to, you know, beat your head against a wall to try to prove some innocence. Right. And, and once you took, and so then we, we were doing a bit of digging, you know, like, you know, who is this person who's posting? We've, we found her profile totally open and what's every freaking day. What's her post, you know, right. what's her posting it's social justice. You know, like one of the, I have a few screenshots saved. Uh, and I, again, I don't want to name this person. I don't want her to lose her job. I want the bar to stay open and everything. I, I haven't called the bar owner or anything like that. I thought about it, but um, I'm not out to get her scalp, but I would like, you know, to say, Hey, you know, maybe this could have been done differently. You know, you have a lot of customers here who really might support the current president at the time, you know? So yeah. if you're this bartender is, or maybe just don't support burning down the, the businesses of their city. Right. Right. And so we can see once I looked at her profile, I can see why she was wanting to make that little bar her safe space. It was yep. pretty obvious at that point. I mean, I think one of her posts was one of those, if you support Trump, you're a racist too. Like, it's like, don't you think your bar patrons might come across your Facebook page yep. and see that? <laughs> and you're, literally calling your clientele all racist because they supported the president. It's just, it's crazy. And it's crazy that you, you, you're, you're giving it a review, review of establishment, right? You're, you're, you're posting a complaint. And then the people who work at the establishment are out harassing you and mocking you and dragging you. It's like, when has this ever been normal? Like yeah. if I was that bar owner and I found out that my, uh, bartenders were doing that to a client, whether it was their fault or not. Oh my God, you're done. I wouldn't yeah. keep you around. Like you can't just, you're, you know, you're trashing your clients. Like what a bad look for a bar. Yeah. So that's basically how it all ended, you know? And we didn't, we didn't pursue anything anymore. You know, we just kind of left it at that. I mean, I thought about calling a friend of a friend is good friends with the, you know, the talk radio, conservative talk radio here in town. And I thought about calling her. I still might meet her and, and tell her the story, you know, but I think you should. 
You know, you, you haven't outed the might. bartender. You haven't given. You haven't posted her name out there. It, I would never want her to lose right. her job. Because I guarantee I you, this is happening more. I mean, this is the first I've heard of it. No politics in the bar. Uh, right. Free speech is dead. But uh, I guarantee you, it's happening in other places. This is this is not a unique situation. Yeah. One of the one yeah. of the things that I, I wanted to to say since the, basically the beginning of this discussion is. I, I sometimes feel like the because I listen to too many podcasts that I'm right. mad about stuff that's not actually affecting my day to day life. Right. right. Like I go yep. through life here in Texas and unless I go into downtown San Antonio or into downtown Austin or any of our big major cities, I, I don't see wokeness in my actual personal interactions. Very little sure. anyway. It, it's not affecting me on a day to day basis, except for listening to the Ben Shapiro's of the world. You know, sure. bitch about it incessantly right? right um but it is happening and i and i say i say all that even though we've talked about on this podcast i've had interactions with my, some of my closest family that have indicated to me they don't even support the concept of due process in the in the constitution anymore because it's uh time to level the playing field against men or whatever right so right so I, I am exposed to it i guess my point is the reason we're hit we had you on and we're opening this up for other listeners we would love to be able to highlight these real world instances of people not on inst not on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram getting into spats there, but where it starts with real people being right. censored, just having a conversation or, or whatever the context might be. Right. Um, I mean, to Cable's point, I, again, I, I wouldn't name this person, um, might name the bar, <laughs> but I'd leave. Yeah. That I mean, I thought um, about, you know, I thought about maybe emailing the bar or stopping by and talking to the owner and just saying, Hey man, you know, like this is what happened. Like, I understand you got to back up your staff, but like, right. This really shouldn't happen. I mean, no, it absolutely or you should really put a damn sign up, you know? Right. Right. If, if you're going to, if, if this is your policy, then, then make it known. But I guess what I'm getting at too, though, is like, there are a lot of people across this country who, because they're not plugged in to, you know, who knows where people get their news. Some people don't get any news. Right. Right. But, but right. I, I, like, I know for sure there are people who watch CNN that uh, buy it because that's all they watch. They've right. been indoctrinated into all that crap. They're not getting confronted with anything else. And when, and if they do, I mean, there's been polling done since this election that said since, you know, Hunter Biden's now being investigated by the FBI. Right. Even though the New Yorker reported on all that crap a year ago, Yep. People didn't know about it. And they're now saying, oh, well, I wouldn't have voted for Biden if I had known any of this stuff. Right. Mm -hmm. My point is just that when we face it in the real world, we need to let people know about it to open people's eyes to what's going on around us. Or we're going to end up like lemmings all just falling off the damn cliff because 20 mm percent -hmm. of America and it's probably less than that has gone woke and they're the loudest and they beat the rest of us into submission. And well, they beat those of us who are paying into paying attention into submission. And then this great middle is not even really paying attention to the argument. No, so they're, they're just not even aware shepherded to the on. gas chamber. Yeah. Well, that's why this podcast exists. So, right. yeah. And I was going to say, like, how, you know, how does the what I would say the new right, how do conservatives come up with a better game plan to fight back or to, yeah. you know, it's. It's like we're all, it seems like we're always trying to play by the rules, always trying to be kind and, and just, you know, not play fight dirty. But it's like, 
I don't know. How much do you get dragged, drugged into the mud and just jumping in the mud with it? I don't know. You know, no, it's a good question. It, we, we, we've been taught to turn the other cheek to, you know, be the bigger man, bigger woman, try to just right. rise above the fray. Right. But when the fray is rising up and dragging you down and drowning you in it, at some right. point you got to stand your ground and fight. Right. And a lot of the, I like what you just said, the, the sort of the new conservative, right. The, the, yeah, the, this sort of new conglomeration of, you know, to your point, dude, Midwest working class folks had been Democrats for decades right. because of union ties and stuff. Right. Now all of right. a sudden they're like, wait a minute, these Democrats just keep sending our jobs out and they're coming out for Trump. Right. So there's this new mm-hmm. alignment. Right. But so, so some of the conservative guys I listen to that are in that sort of new age mold, right. Older conservatives, all they really cared about is the economics part. And they were going to let, you know, the, the woke liberals have their fun in the Madison and Wisconsin's and, you know, not, they didn't, they were so afraid of being called a racist or a homophobe, blah, 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 that they wouldn't yeah. engage. Right. And what all these people are pointing out is Trump is the first polit- first Republican politician who has said, I'm going to fight the culture war. You know, you're yeah. right. What this conversation you were having the other night was a culture war discussion. I'd say first and foremost, yeah, it's yeah, been it made into a political conversation. Right. But because right. the two have been blended together where they're inseparable. So, mm-hmm. Trump is taking on this, uh, you know, like the we've talked about this, this. We don't have a problem with transgender people. We have a problem with transitioning teenagers. Right. He's talking. He's fighting that battle. He's fighting BLM and calling it what it is, a Marxist organization. Right. Where if you go back to June, Uh, I'm on the record as saying I I think transgendering is not normal. Uh, I'll just put that out there. I don't know that I called it normal. I, I just said we don't like we're not. I think if you were born with a dick, you're a dude for, for forever. <laughs> That's just the way it is. I'm not saying I have no issue with homosexuality. I do not think that God makes that mistake if he gave you a wiener uh that's that's the way you're rolling Whether we should talk like about tulsi gabbard's bill here at some point men or women. i was just gonna and say get off on a tangent on this aren't we in a weird world where tulsi gabbard has a bigger set than the republicans <laughs> exactly right well i have a feeling i guess she's retiring but i, I think she's gonna be uh a quote republican here in the very near future but but anyway man I, you know to your point like this is um you're seeing it in the senate uh races in georgia right now this lady kelly loffler i heard somebody the other day talking about how she had been the most typical milk toast down the road down the middle conservative you'd ever heard of but all of a sudden she's bombarding the state of georgia with ads about you know transgender men transgender whatever biological men transgender women competing against real women in sports right and being against that and she's taken she realizes that the big middle of america is is this culture war is the battle right Right. the battles in dc about bills that get you know about funding and all that that they're dealing with that this is what's affecting our lives this is affecting a guy like you who can't have a damn free conversation in a bar right right um it's 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 warping somebody's perspective say like my sister who like i said has argued with me that uh you know somebody like brett kavanaugh didn't deserve anything like due process right Um, right anyway man um but yet voted for biden even though he was accused of sexual assault by his uh vice president (laughs) right and he wrote the crime bill that put more black people in jail than any other legislative act you know what we can't do i think to kind of wrap this up a little bit what we cannot allow to happen is for this to become the new norm just right. i'm just thinking about this in my, yeah. in my head right now like this this can't be allowed to be permissible like you can't 
not have a free conversation in a public space. Um, and, mm-hmm. and to think in, in the, the, the more liberal minded guy who was being like, Oh, maybe we shouldn't just talk about this. I mean, that's the prime example of that guy's like teetering on the edge, right? You guys are right. still open to have the conversation, but then when it comes down to nut cutting time, he's like, Oh, Oh no, no, I don't want to offend her. Like that's right. bullshit. If she going back to what we say on the show, you don't have the right to not be offended. If it offends you, you know, tough shit. Yeah. This is America. So, and we want to keep it that way. Um, Yeah, man. I, I think just keep talking, man. I mean, you guys are doing great at it and it's a good show so far. And I think I've listened to every episode except for uh, the one on Orwell because I ordered 1984 i want to read it too but i'm gonna yeah, wait dude, oh it. nice yeah i can't wait i was gonna ask you if you'd read yeah yeah you're gonna enjoy it in a, yeah. yeah and yeah, it's I also think. gonna give you chills and kind of make you feel disgusting but it's a good i did also it. read the uh jonathan heights book you guys were talking about yeah um uh, the one about basically how we helicopter parent and all that mm-hmm. i think that's a lot of what we're seeing you know um is maybe uh parents our parents uh their parents we've just gotten a little bit soft i don't know in the easiest way to say it we kind of just like that book describes Mm -hmm. i can't think of the name right now i'm gonna go spank my kids right now just to toughen them up a little coddling coddling of the american mind isn't it yeah i'm kidding of course but exactly but i don't you know that's another thing and this isn't a new thing i mean i think this has been the the public perception for a while but like i'll yank my kids up i don't just like spank them in public but i'll i will be stern with them and like i'm not saying i'm yelling at him but like people look around like that guy's talking to his kids kind of like rough and i'm like i'll look right back at him and give him that that nod that says get mind your own damn business you know that was the normal 50 years ago that was normal when i was four or five years old uh it was i was young enough i don't really remember it but my mom has told the story i and i guess my sister too were acting like little terrorists in a department store at the mall in the town we grew up in and we kept on and she kept trying to, you know, calmly get us to stop, calmly get us to stop. She finally lost it, snatched me up, spanked me on the butt, threw me into the shopping cart or whatever, and got me <laughs> to shut up. And she got applauded by four or five other people around. <laughs> <laughs> so this would have been in like 1985-ish probably, oh, right? right? She got applauded. Would that happen today? In no, they'd be calling the, the cops, country, being like, this sure, guy but, just beat right, his kid. More than likely, mm-hmm. you would get reported for child abuse. And yeah. Dude, I, there's no doubt to me, whatever I was up to, I deserved it. My mom, I don't rem- she's never spanked me in my life. So if she smacked me on the ass that day, there's no doubt See, I was look being. Look at you taking responsibility for your actions. <laughs> That's what people don't do anymore. Right. So, um, well, hey, yeah. Preston, man, it, I certainly appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story. Um, yeah. You had no idea what you were going to be like. Um, you're, you're very well spoken. <laughs> and uh, I Thank you. really enjoyed conversing with you i know chisholm has as well yeah for sure man well hey man merry christmas happy new year and, you too uh, you know thank you so much for having fight. me on i it's it means a lot to me and i really really enjoyed it it's been thanks a pleasure, for listening buddy. man and reaching out merry christmas okay well we'll stay in touch okay all right sounds good brother all right peace guys all right well i certainly enjoyed uh visiting with preston chisholm i think like you alluded to want to encourage any listener that's uh, had a similar situation happened to them uh please bring it to our attention we'd love to have them on absolutely man um similar related uh, any any instance where where the woke mob 
has you know really impacted you I, again I, you know we don't necessarily want to talk about dust-ups on social media unless like this story they came after a dust-up yeah. in real life right but yeah you got a story like that um i i hope everybody enjoyed hearing from preston and um i have a sense they probably will or did and um yeah we welcome i did we're all <laughs> for having regular people come on here and talk about what's happening because as i said we're regular sometimes. people too. We are regular people too. And sometimes I worry that this is all just an internet creation. And then you hear from a guy like Preston, like, nope, this is happening in real life. Can't have a yeah. conversation in a bar. So, in a bar. Wow. Yeah. Well, for Chisholm Cook, I'm Cable Smith. I'm wishing you guys a happy new year. Thank you so much for tuning in to episode 16 of Justified Pursuit. And we'll see you next time. It's New Year's Day here on the border. And it's always been this way I never do the things I order I think I'll stay, it's new